you know, one other thing that people don't understand a lot and really don't want to go into, they don't want to, they don't want to deal with the reality of this. God is not obligated to support my vision. He's only obligated to support his vision. And his vision is about souls, is about people coming to know Jesus. It's always about souls. It's always about lifting somebody up. It's always about somebody else. Everything you and I receive is always about somebody else. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode three of the Lifted Up podcast. My name is Corey O'Neill. I'm on the creative team here at New Beginnings Church, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Joe Source. And we are doing this officially, episode three. Um, I think after three, I'm just gonna stop counting. Um, we, we're adding value to your life. This, this is why we're doing this. This is the Lifted Up podcast. Uh, we wanna add value to your life from the word of God. You know, there, there are a lot of ways that uh, people are trying to add value to your life. We believe that the best way to do that uh, is right from the scriptures. Amen, amen. So today we are talking about prospering without perishing. So here, here's a scripture that we wanna kind of uh, use to lay down the foundation of what we're talking about here when it comes to prospering without perishing. This is in Proverbs 11:24. is the NIV. It says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. And so our, our goal is that you would fulfill the first part of that scripture. Amen. I mean, any, anybody could fill, fulfill uh, the, the second part of the scripture, but we don't want to fulfill that second part of the scripture because it comes to poverty. Um, but we, our goal is so that you, you would be inspired to involve God in your finances so that you would fulfill what it says here, that when one, you, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. It's that doesn't of, make sense in no, the natural. I was just about to say, it's yeah. kind of an upside down concept. Yeah, it doesn't make sense in the yeah, natural. Like many of the, the, the um, realities in the kingdom of God, this is one of those upside down concepts. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna get into a scripture uh, in the book of First Kings, but first I wanna read us a, a statistic uh, that kind of ties in, it's a good little um, introduction into the scriptures that we're gonna be reading today. So here's a statistic in, uh, from nonprofit source. This is from 2018, okay? On average, Christians give 2.5% of their income to churches, okay? During the Great Depression, we're talking the 1930s. During the Great Depression, Christians gave 3.3% of their income to churches. Okay, so we're talking about that's, eight. That's crazy. Yeah, eight decades. What happened in eight decades? Well, society changed drastically. Okay. The church changed drastically. But I think we can really gain some insight in this fact if we study those generations. These are individuals that lived through World War I, mm. then the Great Depression. They're, they're just on the threshold of World War II. These are people that actually suffered major consequences in their lives because of things that were happening outside of their control, okay? The average individual was not a stockbroker who was a multimillionaire in 1920s. The average individual uh, was somebody who probably lost someone in the trenches of France during World War I. These, these were people who grew up in neighborhoods that were close-knit. They cared about each other. When you went to a church, you actually, that was like your church family. You cared for one another. If somebody, if someone was ill, everybody got behind them and supported them. If someone was losing their home, people would get together. In other words, it was more of a sense of community. Unfortunately, that has disintegrated yeah. over, the, over the decades. Yeah. Now, in all fairness, have there been families that have been affected? Oh, yeah traumatically during this pandemic? Absolutely, you know, I know families even within our own church that lost loved ones. Um, so yeah, there's been that type of suffering, but um, I think the church needs to come back to that sense of community again, but you can't come back to that sense of community without developing a sense of generosity hmm. and a sense of, um, I'm gonna obey God, even to my own hurt, you know, even to my own detriment. And I think we need to come back to that. I think the church in general needs to come back to that. Um, we can't expect the world to operate that way. Yet sometimes right. it seems like there's people in the world who are willing to be more generous, yeah, right? Yeah. The motives might, might not be right. It might be a self-serving agenda. 
but I think I think there's still hope. I think the church can come back to a place of generosity, but you can't have generosity without obedience, because God's always going to challenge us, and that's really what brings us to this story here, this incident that's recorded for us in First Kings chapter 17. Yeah. So um, should we just jump into that? Yeah, let's jump in. All right. So to kind of set the stage a little bit here, in the beginning of the chapter, um, God speaks to the prophet Elijah and sends him with a message to the king who's very disobedient, who's married to a pagan, who's an idol worshiper, and he pretty much declares judgment. They thus saith the Lord, there's not going to be any rain in the land until yeah. I say so. Okay? And so a f drought comes. Yeah, so they were drought. having their own Great Depression. They're having their own Great Depression, yeah. but obviously it was way more severe yeah. than even what we experienced. Or, well, the Great Depression was, really was an international thing. It wasn't just limited to the United States. But yeah, yeah, there's definitely... Uh, way way less resources back then than there were <clears throat> even in the 1920s here. And so God, uh, in order to protect Elijah, gives him instruction and tells him to go to a certain geographic spot, yeah. to a certain place, a specific brook. And, and God says, I have commanded the ravens there to feed you. That's a whole nother story, how supernaturally God provided yeah. for Elijah. But then when we come to verse 8 in 1 Kings 17, Something has shifted. In verse 7, it tells us, and it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Well, of course, rain doesn't fall. The creeks, the lakes, the ponds, everything dries up. Yeah. And so this is obviously the after effect of that drought. And so now, because God's going to be faithful to his, per, his, his man, he's going to be faithful to his spokesperson, he gives a new set of instructions to Elijah in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. Another geographic, he brings him from one geographic location to another geographic location. And he gives him hope for the future. He said, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. Now, it's interesting. That's not part of what we would consider Israel. It is, is really part of Lebanon. It's, yeah. it's an area outside. It's a Gentile world. It's a Gentile world, okay? So he sends a man of God to a place outside of of, of a place that's not in covenant with him, yeah. okay? Oh, that, that's, a, that's a good <clears throat> thing to think about. Right, yeah. right. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So what do we gather from there? God has already spoken to this person and said, there's somebody coming, I want you to provide for them. All right, so verse 10, he's obedient to the command of God, to the new instructions. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate, when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, in other words, truly, it was just like God said, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. Now, mind you, they're in a drought. Yeah. In a drought, your most precious commodity right now is water. Yeah. And so what is the first thing he asked this lady? And we see she's a widow. She's obviously running, we find out later, she's running her own household. Yeah. Okay, she doesn't have a husband to support her. Okay, she's, she's, she's on her own. Well, God's giving her a chance to now connect with him, all right? So uh, it says he arose and went there, and he finds that it's exactly like God said. There's a widow there gathering sticks, and he calls to her, bring me a little uh, water in a cup that I may drink. Verse 11, as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring a morsel of bread or a little piece of bread in your hand. So now he's asked her for water. Now he sees that he's got her attention, that she intends on being obedient. So he presses a step further and says, hey, can you bring me a little piece of bread? I'm really hungry. I'm not only thirsty, but I'm hungry. Now the trouble is if you don't have any water, the land is not producing. If the yeah. land is not producing, there's no wheat. Yeah. If there's no wheat, wheat there's no, no flour, you can't make any bread. So her resources are extremely limited. Verse 11, it's like, we can picture this woman being under so much stress, and financial stress is horrible. Yeah. Financial stress brings all kinds of problems in your life, not just the finances themselves. It's the pressure, the worry, the concern, especially for the head of the household, especially for the breadwinner, the person who, who's feeling like a failure because no matter what they do, they can't produce enough to take care of their family. So she's under all this pressure, and it's like he's broken the last straw. In verse 11. So as she was going to get it, he said to bring me a piece of bread. Verse 12, she said, I could picture just like throwing her hands up, like, okay, enough is enough. As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin 
and a little oil in a jar and see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks, obviously make, to make a fire, that I might go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She's mm. really at the end she of her low expectations. She's got no expectation. She's fed up. She's overwhelmed. She, her expectation is, hey, buddy, you know what? I know you got needs, but you know what? Right now, well, I got to take care of me and my, and, and my son. And I'm going, I'm getting a couple of sticks. I'm going to make a little bit of a fire. I don't need a big fire because I only have a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. So you really pushed me to the brink. I don't know that I can help you. And verse 13 is so telling. Again, because we're talking about prospering without perishing. Yeah. We're talking about there's one who gives yeah. and it makes no sense to give, yet they increase. Yeah. Because there is a way to, to prosper and perish. You, you can prosper the world's way. Yeah, yeah. And then there is some perishing that could be involved in that. What do you think about that? Well, but does the person realize it? No. Because a lot of people think I have my cars, I've got my houses, I've got cash in the bank, I've got, you know, unlimited, I got jewelry, I've got all the clothes, I got all the sneakers I want, I got... The it's easy to do phone. that when you're working 24-7. Yeah but, not, you're you're, yeah, but they don't realize they're killing themselves to yeah. get stuff that's temporal, that's going to perish, that you're mm -hmm. going to leave behind. And so the soul perishes. Yeah. Your, your personality suffers. Your, your physical health suffers. Your family relationships suffer. If a person's going to work day and night to gain things, it's going to be at the expense of something else. Yeah. Okay, we talked about a scripture earlier. About, in Proverbs, about yeah. the blessing of the Lord makes us rich. Right. And he adds no, no sorrow, sorrow with it. Anybody can get rich today that wants to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but eventually it's going to cost you your health. It's going to cost your relationships. It's going to cost your sanity. It's going to cost your soul. Yeah. So, can, can I share one, one sure, example please. from my own personal life? And, and then we'll get back into the scripture that I had to kind of settle in my heart. Um, I had a way that I was making some side money. Um, it was working. It was working good last year. Um, it's, it's, I don't even want to say the name of it because uh, I don't want to endorse anything. Right. But basically what I was doing was um, something sort of like Uber, but for grocery buying. Right. So basically you, you buy people's groceries right. um, and you get paid for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm very and aware of that. Yeah, yeah, so it was a good way to make some extra money. It, it, was, it was during a time last year when we needed it. Right. People didn't want to go shopping. They were afraid to go to the stores. Oh, yeah, yeah and, and it worked. <clears throat> and, you know, I felt like I... I, I wasn't like out of God's will doing this. It, you know, it was some good sign money. And then, you know, some things happened over, over the last um, six months, almost a year now. Now, not only do I not need to do that, I don't have the time to do that, but I want to do that because I can make some more money so I could save for more things. So, I so in a sense, that which God provided for you that could make you rich. Yeah. Now, if you go beyond the season that you were supposed to be in it, now the sorrow comes. The out. sorrow will come. And, and so every now and then, or still today, every once in a while, I, the temptation comes in my head like, you know, I, I can totally get back into that. I could set up my schedule where I can do that, you know, a certain amount of hours weekly on, on top of everything that I, else that I have going on. Work. And you Bible have a lot school, of responsibilities. Work, yeah. Bible school, <clears throat> time, time with my wife. Um, not, not that those things are more important than time with my wife. But I think people fall into this trap that if I could just squeeze in as many hours as possible at the expense of some of the important things in my life, right. mainly my relationship right. with Jesus, absolutely. Then, then somehow they're going to be better off in life. Mm -hmm. But they experience the perishing, absolutely. perishing of the soul. So that's yeah. something that personally yeah. I need to continue to remind myself. Um, Here, this woman that we're talking about She's in danger of her soul perishing if she doesn't obey. Yeah. God's given her an opportunity. We find out later the, the, the reward that she would reap was tremendous compared to the sacrifice she was being asked to, to, to make. Okay? So um, she's faced with this challenge now. Now, she knows that she's heard from God on the inside. Okay? Yeah. Isn't that interesting that God would talk to this woman who's not in covenant with God? What's that all about? I, look, <laughs> God's heart is for everybody. Yeah, right? Uh, Abraham was not in covenant with God when God first spoke to him. Abraham yeah. was living in a Gentile world. Abraham was living in a very pagan world. Abraham was rich. 
but he had a lot of sorrow attached to it because yeah. his riches did not bring him the fulfillment of salvation. Yeah, he didn't have a legacy to carry it on. Didn't have a legacy. It, it didn't have a relationship with God. Now, there was something in Abraham, just like there must have been something in this woman, that prompted God to know this one yeah. will obey me. Yeah. That's why it's so important for us to respond when we hear the voice of God. Now, say, well, you're talking about an audible voice? No, you know when God's leaning on you. It's that inward. You know when God's yeah. pressure. You know when the word is coming up inside. You know when God is... Is, and I want to use the word pressuring, not in a negative context, but there's times when God knocks at your heart and he asks you to do something that's going to require sacrifice. Yeah. And that is something, Corey, I am so concerned that is going to disappear in the coming generations. This idea of sacrificial. And that's, man, if there's anything that this story is about, it's about a woman who would have been completely justified to say to this prophet, this man of God, are you kidding me? I've got a son to take care of. Now, we find out later that the son was probably sickly, and that's why she was placing a priority on feeding yeah. him. She says, hey, buddy, I've only got a little bit of flour. I've got a little bit of oil. I'm going to make this little pancake here. I'm going to cook it over these couple of twigs that I'm gathering <laughs> up. i got my family to take care of. Nobody could have faulted her, but there's yeah. only one difference. She heard on the inside, Yeah. take care of this man that I'm sending you, Okay. So there had to be something in her. There had to be a, a thing that God could say, if I push this trigger, okay, she's going to yeah. obey. Well, God does give us faith. He, he does, but he also yeah. gives us opportunities to use that faith. Yeah. And that's exactly what we have here. Now, don't you think it made this man uncomfortable to have to go ask a widow? So yeah. it took obedience on his Because Elijah is an ordinary man. He's an ordinary man. Yeah. He's a prophet of God, but he's a man just like anybody else. Yeah. And we know this guy has issues. If you follow his story... He goes into a depression and asks yeah. God to pretty much kill him at some point in his life. So we're not dealing with a spiritual giant here. Right. We're dealing with somebody who made themselves available to God and allowed God to speak to him. So, so again, could you imagine if this story showed up today in modern times? It'd be all over oh, Facebook. Yeah. Like, what nerve does this minister preaching. have going to this woman who's a widow? She doesn't have a husband. All she's got is a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, and this guy's got the nerve to ask her. <laughs> It'd be all the comments, the emails, oh, yeah. the the net, the hate Those that we do. Oh, just want our money. They're all the same. They just want our money. They didn't <laughs> care about this widow. We would have, we'd be getting hit with scriptures left and right. You're supposed to be taking care of widows. Mm -hmm. Yet God commanded this guy, I want you to go to that place. Why? Not because he was trying to take something from her. He was trying to get her connected to something in the future that yeah. was going to be a way bigger blessing than anything that she's seen before. Oh, yeah. So she's obedient, okay? She says, are you kidding me? I've only got a little bit of flour, a little bit. And, and Elijah addresses the real root issue. And this is the root issue that stops most people from being obedient to God, especially when he asks you to do the hard thing. Verse 13, Elijah said to her, do not fear. Man, that jumps off the page. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And then he gives her, here's the promise. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Wait a second. I've only got enough here just for the two of us. How do you expect this thing to produce now? Because Elijah knew the God of abundance. Mm -hmm. Eli Elijah's just come from him being provided for by the filthiest animals in the Middle East. Ravens. ravens. He's going, he's thinking, man, if God could feed me, and they weren't bringing him like junk. They're bringing him meat sandwiches. They're bringing him meat sandwiches. They're yeah. bringing him, how, how do these, because they obeyed what mm -hmm. God spoke to them to do. Elijah obeyed. God, God said to Elijah, go to that place. I'm going to provide for you there. He's obedient yeah. and the provision shows up there. Then that provision, because the season changed. This is so important. The season changed. He didn't say, no, I'm staying here and I'm just going to trust God. No, God said to him, I want, you need to leave here now. Because I need you. Now that you showed me this obedience, I need you now to allow this widow in Zarephath to experience my obedience. Because in Isaiah, yeah, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, this is what we're told. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good, good of the land. land. What is she missing out right now? She's missing out on the good of the land. Mm -hmm. She needed to be willing and she needed to be obedient. It wasn't just, well, I'm willing in my heart, but I don't know if I can actually do this. No, no, no. That's only half the equation. She needed to be willing and obedient. And again... Wasn't the whole land of Israel in this situation because they were not willing and obedient? This is... No, what's because they suffered because of their king. Don't you know? 
that the people of any land can suffer because of their leaders? Oh, yeah. So these people <laughs> suffered because of the king. The king was a pagan worship. It was an idol worship. Married to a pagan, like I said before. Okay? This is not the ideal person to be ruling and reigning over that nation. And the people suffered because of it. Okay? Yeah. But the situation is going to turn around. So we know the story. She's obedient. Okay? Elisha deals with her root issue, which is fear. Yeah. Let's face, which is, which is, she's justified experiencing fear. What? She doesn't have a husband. We're talking, oh, yeah. in a, we're talking about a culture that's very male-dominant, okay? This woman's on her own. She's got responsibilities. We find that later. She's got a house. This is a woman who's used to having things. This is a woman who's used to having all the flowers she wants, all the oil she wants. She was a very wealthy woman. How do we know that? She's got servants. Yeah. Who has servants? Even today. Wealthy you could people. be having a nice job today. You don't have servants. <laughs> She's got servants. So yeah. this is a woman who's used to wealth. So she had to overcome this fear of like, are you kidding me? I've been stripped of everything. I'm used to having nice clothes. I'm used to having people washing my windows. I'm used to having somebody doing my bathrooms, washing my floors. And now I can't even feed these people anymore. So she's dealing with a real fear. Okay? And that's the thing that stops us from being obedient. Mm -hmm. When God speaks to you or speaks to me or speaks to anyone and says, you're walking down a supermarket aisle, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit kind of tugs on your heart and says, I want you to go talk to that person. I want you to go tell that person. You love them. I had this happen. I mean, it's happened many times, but I remember one particular situation. We were in the state of Mississippi. We were traveling from Oklahoma <laughs> to Florida, and we're traveling all these back roads through Mississippi. And just, to, just picture it, Mississippi, yeah. okay? And we stop at a McDonald's one morning for breakfast. We're on the road. We had stopped for the night, got all my little kids with me. Okay, this is years ago. And we stop at a McDonald's. I'm sitting there eating my breakfast, and I feel that I get that feeling. Oh God, he's gonna want me to do something. And I look up. I look up, and there's a guy outside the door mopping. He's mopping the sidewalk. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what is going on here? And the Lord says to me, I want you to go bless him financially and tell him. I love him, and it's time for him to get back to church. And I literally oh, sat there and went, oh, God, why can't I enjoy my breakfast? My <laughs> wife looked up at me, and she knows when that, when that kind of thing hits me. And I said to her, it's going to be okay. She like, what's the matter? I said, just stay here with the kids. I got to go take care of something. So I took a $20 bill. I mean, I, at that point, I was like the widow with a little bit of flour. Yeah. I've only got X amount of dollars to get us to Florida and back. Mm -hmm. We were going there for a wedding, Okay. And I'm like, that $20 was like $100 to me. Yeah. But the Lord said, go bless this guy, okay? I go outside. I walk up to this person. Now, the culture in the South is very different, okay? And this young man wouldn't even lift his eyes up to look at me. I stopped and I said to him, excuse me. I said, I don't know if you're going to understand what I'm saying or not, or, but the Lord spoke to me and told me to come and give you this and to bless you and to tell you that he loves you and it's time for you to get back to church. You know what that took? That took every ounce of me to be obedient to that thing, okay? Because I'm dealing with the same yeah. fear sheet. Like, what are you kidding me? Number one, I need the $20. Number two, what if this guy thinks I'm a complete crazy person and refuses to even listen to what I'm saying? He took the money, put it in his pocket, Okay. Two weeks later, we come back from Florida, get back to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I go back to my job in the supermarket that I worked at. And my manager says to me, we hired a new person. He's going to start this afternoon. You know it's where I'm guy. going with this? This guy walks in. I look at him and I said to him, excuse me, did you live in Tallulah, Mississippi? <laughs> this is hundreds of miles apart. Four or 500 miles away. <laughs> Two weeks later, and he looks at me and goes, um, yeah. But, you see, he never lifted his eyes up to look at me. I said, you used to work in a McDonald's, didn't you? He goes, <laughs> yeah. I said to him, about two weeks ago, a guy came up to him and gave you $20. How do you know that? <laughs> I'm that guy. God set it up. So he, so he had 
left Cholula, Mississippi, because he got in trouble. He went and stayed with an uncle who lived in Tulsa and came to work at the same supermarket that I... You can't make this stuff up. He went back to church? He went back to church. He went to his church with his uncle, went back to church, got his life right with God, separated himself from the bad influences that he had in Tallulah, Mississippi, yeah. just, the, just the name alone. <laughs> God, but, but what, what would have happened if I would have said, Lord, uh, I need this $20. I'm sorry. I can't overcome my fear yeah. to get rid of this, to, to, to invest this $20. Imagine what her yeah. life would have been like. Because look at what happened. Must have, he must have been speaking to you so clear. I don't think he, in, I, well, this is not going to sound not good, audibly, but I'm going to say least. it. Right. I think sometimes God gives you just enough for you to be obedient. Because if he gives you too many details, then what faith would it take? If he would have said to me, hey, go and talk to this guy, because right. this is what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. That would have no, made no, me yeah. in the natural put aside my, my concerns, my fears, my need. No, yeah. But it was only go talk to this guy, tell him I love him, and tell yeah. him his son to get back to church. <laughs> just like God speaks to his Just widow. like God spoke to her. She knew somebody's coming. I've got to bless this guy. Now, you know, God probably didn't say to her, I'm going to take care of all these things. God said to her, there's somebody coming. I want you to bless him. Yeah. I want you to provide for him. Elijah's the one that gives the rest of the promise yeah. from God. She didn't have the foundation that we have today. We have the Absolutely foundation. Not. We, we have. She didn't have the Holy Spirit in her. Yeah. We do. We, we have the Holy Spirit and we have the scriptures that tell us that God is a good father, that God provides Absolutely. everything that we need for everything that right. he tells us to do. Right. And I, I love how, when I was reading this, I noticed he tells her to do something and is not concerned with if she has enough to do it. Isn't that so relevant to today? Uh, absolutely, not only relevant to today, is relevant to the character of God. Is God a good God? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Is he fair? Is he just? Absolutely. Would God ever ask us, would God ask you to do something or to give something that you weren't capable of? Absolutely not. He never, he's a good father. He never sets us up to fail. He challenges us just like a good father does. Yeah. A good father wants his children not to stay in the position where they are at five years old worth of maturity. He wants them to mature. He wants them to grow. He wants them to become stronger in their relationship with him. But we only grow stronger as we respond to challenges. Yeah. She's challenged. Okay, but she she passes the test, and that's what's important. But yeah, God knew she only had a little bit of flour. God knew she only had a bit of oil. Okay, she knew she had a little bit of flour, a little bit yeah. of oil, but she wasn't aware yet of what God's potential was to produce supernaturally. Yeah. You know what scripture I think of when I read this uh, in First Peter or Second Peter says that we've been given all things pertaining to life and godliness. Life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Through the knowledge of Him. So, the minute that we get born again. Mm -hmm. In us is everything that we need. Everything's deposited. Everything, everything pertaining to life and godliness yeah. is deposited in him. We don't How see do it manifest. That? We don't see it manifest right away, <clears throat> but it's there. Every, everything when yeah. it comes to our, the resources that we're going to need to do what God... Because if you think about it, I'm born again, you're born again, mm -hmm. because other people in the past have trusted God, right? Yeah. The gospel ha has been going yeah. forth for... for hundreds of years because other people in the past have trusted God right. to provide. Right, right. They're not buying salvation. Yeah. When we sow into the kingdom of God, when we plant our finances into the kingdom of God to spread the gospel, we're not buying, you can't buy the gospel. The gospel is free. Yeah. But it costs money to You're, publish it. It yeah. costs money to proclaim it. It costs money to put to bring a group of people together in one spot in one place so that they can hear the word, absorb the word, that they can experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We 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 experience phenomenal presence of the Holy Spirit in our services. Oh, yeah. People come here, they they come, they don't know what they're gonna receive, but they come because yeah. they came together. But but it costs money to bring everybody in one spot. Yeah, and to not charge at the door. And to not charge at the yeah. door. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, we're, 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 we're depositing our money in a kingdom that never fails. It's never a bad investment. It always pay, pays back with dividends, okay? Do you, can you imagine the feeling of satisfaction I got the day that that young man showed up at my job who two weeks before I had just 400 miles away, I had blessed with a, with a, with a, a meager $20 bill. Yeah. Can you imagine a sense of, so the next time 
that God challenged me to do something. Do you think I experienced as much hesitation as oh, I yeah. did before that? No, of course not. Because what God would challenge you to do in the future is much greater than given a 20. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what's interesting? People will trust God with their salvation, the greatest need. The greatest right. need. It is not a more it, it is a far more important need than our finances. And we'll, we will openly and freely trust God with our eternal destination. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when it comes to our pocketbook, our wallet, which is, and I believe Jesus did say, or somewhere in the scripture says, is, is the least of our needs. Am I right in saying that? Or I believe, yeah, I believe you can, you can get that from it things could that be, Jesus spoke. We have a hard time with that. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. a little backwards? It is, absolutely. It, it definitely is. But you see, a lot, again, it comes back to fear. Well, I worked for this. I put in 12 hours of work for this. So there's that sense of ownership. We don't realize that. We just get to play with the we're stuff stewards. We're, we're managers. We're stewards. Managers, distributors. So you, you can't, it goes back to that scripture you started with. When you withhold, it decreases. When you give, in fact, you mentioned one translation before. Uh, there's one who scatters and yet yeah. increases. There's one who withholds unduly and yet comes to poverty. Yeah. It's because the whole kingdom of God operates very differently. Now, that's the real kingdom. That's the real kingdom. What we experience in the natural is the counterfeit, is the inferior. But we're so, this is all we know. Yeah. This is the point of reference that we have. We don't understand that. Again, you mentioned it before that the, everything is upside down in the kingdom. I just thought of something because, mm -hmm. you know, just on the topic of stewardship, I thought of a, an illustration that, that was based on, on a, a real life experience that happened. So, you know, I, I work here, I do, um, you know, stuff with video, the kind of thing like that. So I, I use a computer and uh, a, a computer that I had in, in, in my office uh, a few years ago, it was having some problems. So I had to take it to the, um, you know, whatever, the Geek Squad, or I had to take it to the Best Buy uh, so you could look at it, see what's wrong with it, fix it. And uh, they, they told me, uh, the price or whatever, what needed to be done, how much it was going to cost. And so, yeah, I think we got it done, right? Uh, now, if this was my personal computer, right, uh, apart from work, if I was bringing my computer, my personal computer to the, to, the, to the store to get fixed and they told me the price of it, I would have freaked out. Because <laughs> now we're talking about my money. Your personal money. My personal money. That you worked for. The same price, right? But they tell me this, that price with the computer that belongs to the church, talking about the money that the church is going to have to pay. I'm like, well, this is a very <coughs> necessary need. I can't do what I have to do without the computer. Right. There, there is absolutely no pressure on me. And the reason why is and if, we, if we could see our finances that way. That God would provide. That yeah. it's his. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It eliminates the fear. Yeah. Yeah. So, so so she had an opportunity to stand on a promise, but she hadn't received the promise. So so step by step, she's agreed now. Elijah says to her in verse 13, do not fear. She's overcome her fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward and afterward and afterward. Okay, mm -hmm. and afterward. In other words, you've got to obey this step first. Yeah. And then comes the afterward. We want to get to the thing that's in the afterward. We want the doing... afterward first. It can't be just by definition. It's afterward. Yeah. So she had to overcome the fear. She had to rally the resources that she had, gather it all together. I'm sure she's looking at it going, am I really going to do this? Okay. And he says to her, and afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Now, she had to have faith, okay, which is the second part of the thing that we want to talk about here, yeah. is the faith. She had to have faith, okay, in this guy's words. But she had to have faith that he had heard from God. Verse 14, now Elijah is quoting what God spoke to him. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Wow. So now she's faced with, okay, what am I going to do? I want the afterward. In other words, she wanted verse 14 because verse 14 is going to make her rich yeah. and add no sorrow to it. But she had to do verse 13. Yeah. 
You, you're getting this? Yeah. Okay. And our goal is that people would be inspired to start or continue doing verse 13. Right. Exactly. Right. right. If you want 14, you got to do 13. Yeah. All right. Verse 15, she's compliant now. She's obedient. She has attached significance to this promise. Okay. Yeah. She is putting aside her fear. She had to think to herself, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, after all, what, what have I got to lose? I'm only, I'm one pancake away from dying. She must have had some faith because it happened that, that he showed up, right? God told her that he was going to show up there. Right. So that had supernatural already took place. Exactly. She's already seen partial fulfillment. Like, oh man, I I heard on the inside, this guy was coming. He's here. So maybe I should listen to the rest of this. Yeah. So verse 15. And so she went away and did so according to the word of Elijah and, 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 and she's, let me, let me start over again here. Okay. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah and she and her, and he, her, Elijah and her household, her son included, ate for many days. In verse 16, the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Wow. What a story. So the little that she had never ran out. Never ran out. Now, we don't know what time frame during that three and a half years that this happened. But let's say in the beginning, the drought came. There's still some water on the earth. So some time passed. Maybe six months, eight months went by. Elijah's still at the brook. The brook dries up. So now let's say she's still got another two years or so before this famine lifts, before the drought is is resolved until the rain comes. For the next couple of years, she's living off the same flour, the same oil, because God yeah. has the ability to stretch our resources. Yeah. God, look at Jesus. A couple of fish, a couple of loaves of bread, 15,000 people get fed. And there's scraps. <laughs> we always forget that part of the story. We think he just made it. The last person had the last half of fish. No. he said. You remember, he sent the disciples out, and they picked up 12 basketfuls of scraps. Yeah. God never does anything with an eyedropper. I said that, I think, just recently in one of the messages. God doesn't own an eyedropper. He doesn't know how to do anything small. Okay? But what releases that? Faith. Faith. Obedience. Obedience. I I could look back to to seasons in my life, and I know you can say the same, and uh, maybe people who are watching, listening, that the little that we have and we're obedient to God with even the little that we have, it never runs out. It never runs out. And there might be, there might only be a season where it, it's, yeah. it's a little and it never runs out. But then, like it says here, then it came to the season where there was no more drought. So what one, one may ask, well, why didn't God just keep providing for her so that she could just stay home and not work and just eat for free? Well, we don't know what she did with this. We really don't. We'll find out someday yeah. what was the end result. Because I, I read this. Because you see, she took a step of faith. And God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I will guarantee you her life was never the same after this. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't want to go into it at this time because it would involve too much, but we know what happens to the rest of her story. Yeah. It didn't stop with the flour and the oil. And it gets personal, yeah. It gets personal. She, her son, who she was so concerned about, ends up becoming very ill. And the person now that she's built this relationship of trust with is used to raise this son from the dead. Yeah. So it wasn't about the flower. It wasn't about it was the preparing oil. Her. It was preparing her for the bigger crisis that was going to come in the future. Now imagine if she had not been obedient with a little bit of flour and mm. a little bit of oil. She would not only be a widow, she'd be childless. Yeah. God is, oh, this is the message I really want us to get across here. God is always setting us up for a blessing. Yeah. But that ble- the blessing of 14 requires the obedience of verse yeah. 13. It's always going to be that way. There's going to be the challenge. There's always going to be the afterward. But there's going to have to be something that you and I do in obedience to God that triggers the afterward. Yeah. That's good. I love this yeah. story because there's so many components here. You can just follow it step by step and see the challenges the desperation, like you said before, how is it that people in the Great Depression gave more money than they would give now and 
we're way more wealthier than people. Even the poorest among us have more than people had yeah. back in that season of life, that season of history. What is it? I think, I think there was more faith. Yeah. I think there was more of a sense of trusting in God. Uh, but we can get back to that again. Yeah. And I pray that the church does. I pray that every believer would open themselves up and actually look for God to give them opportunities and challenges. Do you, do you think we're at a disadvantage today because there is so much information? There are, there are so many ways that you can research how to do well in life. And, and so that- But they're that natural takes, ways. In the, you know, yeah, in the natural ways. And so the people yeah. in the Great Depression era and certainly the people in, in, um, in Zarephath in, in this time did not have that. They did not have access to all the information. I think it's deeper than that. Corey, I think it's deeper than yeah. that. I think, I think it, it requires addressing a deeper heart issue where, and I spoke about this recently when I just preached recently about our dependence on God. Yeah. One of the greatest battles that the church is facing now and will be from this point forward is the battle to not get caught up in dependence upon man, mm. dependence upon a governmental system, dependence upon facets of society that just want to hear, hear. Give. As long as you like yeah. me, as long as you vote for me, as long as you're on my side, I'll give you whatever you want. How are people supposed to develop faith yeah. in God? How? Well, that, that's why I, I asked the question, why didn't God just keep on providing for her when the rain began? He, he gave her an opportunity to be provided for in a different way. But that's what God does. He gives yeah. opportunities. He didn't present the flower on her front step. She, he gave her an opportunity. Yeah. He didn't say, I've got a dump truck full of flour. I've got a tanker truck full of oil just down the street here. No, he gave her an opportunity. He gives opportunities. I've taught on this in the past about prayer. When we pray, God doesn't give us the thing. He gives us instructions. Yeah. Okay? I'm Peter's got to pay. Right. J Jesus is, is in a position to have to pay taxes to the Romans. An opportunity. What does he do? Peter? Get the first fish that comes up. Open, put your finger in his mouth. There's two coins in there, one for you, one for me. What did, what did, what did they get? They got instruction. Yeah. Peter got instruction. She got instruction. Elijah got instruction. Elijah could have just laid there by the brook and said, no, no, just keep sending me ravens. Mm -hmm. God said, no, it's not going to work that way anymore. You passed this test. You came to this brook. You, stay, you sat here. You waited for the ravens to show up. They fed you. Now it's time to move on to the greater test. And that's what life is all about, is responding to challenges. What about people who are following the instructions in the Word of God when it comes to finances? Uh, but then they're frustrated because they're not seeing the promises. Hey, sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. There's times, that it, it's, there's seasons of investing and there's seasons of gathering, yeah. of receiving the, the, the result of the investment. It's seed, time, and harvest, Okay. Seed goes in the ground. It requires some time to produce. It's got to put roots down. It's got to reproduce. Just when a seed bursts forth and puts roots down, it's not in reproduction yet. Okay? Yeah. It's got to mature. It has to, it has to grow. It's got yeah. to pop up from the soil. It's got to produce fruit. It's the fruit that's the harvest, yeah. not the roots. Because you know, if you think about it, people will invest in the stock market. Oh, yeah. They won't, they won't, they won't sell the day after. They won't expect right. return investment of the day after. Yeah. So yeah. Why, why, why do we have that expectation for a natural thing with the stock market, but we, ex we, expect, we expect instant. From, yeah, from God. Yeah, we expect instant. And honestly, how much trust is developed in us if, if stuff happens? Well, that's the big thing. What, what's, how is your relationship with Jesus growing deeper? How's your relationship with the Holy Spirit becoming more deeper and like you're not, it's not causing you to. Well, you know, that, 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 that really brings us to a place of addressing another issue. Sometimes you can teach too much about the love of God mm. and to a point where a person develops this attitude like, well, I'm, I'm like the apple of his eye. Does the scripture say that? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he cares more about me than anything else. I'm a King's kid. I'm those, that. <laughs> and you start getting this idea that, that Jesus is there to jump at your beck and call Honey, it doesn't work that way. It's the exact opposite. Yeah. But you see, we, the church, have put so much attention on ourselves and about how much God loves me and God's going to mm -hmm. chase me down and God's always going to give me this and going to provide for me. Are those things true? Yes, he will. But what's your heart? 
What's your heart condition? Are you chasing after him? Are you going after him? Or have you submitted your life to him? You know, one other thing that people don't understand a lot and really don't want to go into, they don't want to, they don't want to deal with the reality of this. God is not obligated to support my vision. He's only obligated to support his vision. When I tap into his vision, the supply is there. And his vision is about souls. It's about people coming to know Jesus. It's always about souls. It's always about lifting somebody up. It's always about introducing them to the love of God, the power of God, the forgiveness of God. It's always about somebody else. Everything you and I receive is always about somebody else. One thing I think about a lot is uh, the scripture, and I think it's in 1 Timothy or, or 2 Timothy, where it says that God is not willing that any of us should perish, that any person should perish. Absolutely. I always think yeah. of everything that I do, everything that I set out to accomplish has to go through that channel. Yeah. Even some of the natural things that I do. Right. And even some of the natural things that I do, not everybody works in a ministry. Everything ha- has to, in, in some way, support that, that as many people as possible yeah. wouldn't perish. Yeah. And that they would come to know But Christ. that takes sacrifice. Yeah. It took sacrifice of this widow to make sure that Elijah's ministry would continue. Because he's still going to accomplish a lot of great things yeah, that, before he that's goes a good, to heaven. That's a good pig, big picture. I wonder, I wonder if she had that big picture. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'll tell you this. She got a bigger glimpse of the picture by the time the bread was prepared. Yeah. And when the, when the oil kept flowing, when the flour kept showing yeah. up in the bed. And she didn't know that hundreds of years later... Jesus was going to reference reference her. her. This foreign woman was one of the only two women, her and this other foreign guy. And and why did he reference her? Because he used her obedience as an example. Of all of Israel, she had faith. Yeah. And the rest didn't. Yeah. He said there were many needs in Israel, many needs. But God sent Elijah to that woman. Yeah. There There were plenty of other widows in Israel that could have profited from the same thing. But it seems like this is the one that would have that would have acted in obedience, yeah. and that's why he sent them there. Wow. Awesome story. I pray that, I pray that those that are watching, those that are listening, have grasped the reality of this. Yeah. When God speaks to our heart, it's going to require obedience. Amen. F- obedience is going to require faith. Yeah. Faith is a step that only you can take. Only I can take. I can't yeah. take steps of faith for you. Yeah. You can't and take God's steps not of faith take for me. The steps for you God, either. God's not. He's going to he, come he on. Honors your. He's gonna, he look. He showed her the afterward. The afterward should be enough for us to take yeah. the step. So, so in, in, as, as we kind of wrap up, what are some of the practical things that we can walk away with? So, somebody who is watching, listening, and doesn't really have any experience, may not know what to do, how to be obedient with their finances, obedient to God with their finances. Uh, w- what are some, some quick practical things that we can do? The most practical thing is, number one, always be listening to the, for the voice of God. Always be listening to those impressions. He never comes with a, a gigantic billboard. It's always that still small voice. It's always yeah. an impression. It's always a, a thought. Okay? Be listening for that. Don't walk around oblivious to that. Okay? And be aware that he's speaking to you much more than you think he is. Jesus made a statement that has stuck with me. My sheep hear my voice. If I'm his sheep, if, if the person that's listening right now is a believer... In the Lord Jesus Christ, they're his sheep. He speaks to them. When you do hear, when you do get an impression, when you do get an inkling, I think God wants me to do something. I think he wants me to bless this person. I think he wants me to invest in that ministry. I think he wants me to go buy food for yeah. the maybe person maybe just start tithing. Or Some start tithing. Yeah. yeah, to start tithing. Uh, the tithe is a tremendous blessing, and we need to cover yeah. that in the future in, in very great detail. Because that connects you to this covenant of giving and receiving. Yeah. Okay. Uh, be be obedient and don't don't allow. I mean, I know there's been times where I had to act immediately because I knew if I did not, I would talk myself out of obeying what God has spoken to me. And as crazy as it might sound, do what He tells you to do because you don't know you. He, you and I know what he's telling us to do. We don't know what the afterward is. We don't know. I could have never imagined that two weeks after that incident in Mississippi, mm-hmm. that I would literally start working with the individual that God had just told me to, to reconnect him to, to the Father. I could have never known that. All I knew was this is what God's telling me to do. It's my business to do that. Don't limit yourself by looking at your own resources. This woman was in danger of, what do you say? I've only got a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. 
Okay, so obviously what she had had not been consecrated to God, and that's where tithing yes. comes in. It's when where we person, consecrate our finances. You consecrate your finances. This is not mine. This is His. I'm just getting yeah. to play with it right now. What's get, what, what gets consecrated to God is protected by God. Absolutely, because it becomes His responsibility. From this point forward now, the flower was not her responsibility yeah. anymore. The oil was not her he responsibility. It responsibility. was God's responsibility to know every morning she woke up, opened up that been there's flour every time she picked up that that jar there's oil it's yeah. his responsibility yeah and I, and I think that's that's the fear that a lot of people have is that they maybe they they aren't consecrating their finances to god or they are e- either but way it's overcoming the fear you just said that overcoming fear yeah and there's a, there's not a a knowing on the inside that because my cons their my finances are consecrated to god um he's not going to take care of them and what we hope that that you're you're getting uh, from watching and listening is that Yes, God will protect what we give to Him, what we con- what we set apart to Him for His purposes. But it has to be set apart. Yeah, because when we when anything that we have is attached to His purposes, mm-hmm. you got to believe right. that He's going to protect right. it. You have he, to overcome the fear yeah. of saying goodbye to something. Yeah, she had to overcome the fear of saying goodbye to that little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. Okay, she found out that she can trust God. So my practical advice would be trust God. Put everything you have. Put everything in His hands. Don't be afraid to obey him. Overcome the fear. Walk in faith mm-hmm. and watch what he does in your life. Yeah. He did Amen. it for his widow. And he did it for a widow. Well, we don't know what the outcome was, but but God has this thing with widows. Yeah. Well, because they're desperate. They're desperate. He knows they're in a desperate situation. But we know But he loves he loves especially the widow. Yeah. He loves them because he knows that they have to be dependent on him. Yeah. So Praise God. That's it. Dependence on God, uh, being obedient with our finances to God. Um, and, and, and again, why don't I read this scripture again in, in Proverbs eleven twenty four? This is what we want to walk away with. Proverbs eleven twenty four is the NIV. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. We want to be the person who gives freely, yet gains even more. We want to be the person who Amen. trusts God Amen. and then gains more than what they let go of. And so our, our, our hope is that you be inspired to take the steps so that you would fulfill this scripture. Yeah. And we hope and pray that this blessed you. Thank you so much for watching and for listening. Yeah, and go bless somebody. Yes, go bless somebody. And, uh, and, you know, and also it will be a blessing to us if you hit subscribe on the, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts or, or if you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe so you can always stay up to date uh, with, with new episodes of Lifted Up Podcast and you can stay updated with, with what every, everything that's happening here at New Beginnings. And thank you so much for everybody who, who is giving, uh, who, who is involved in some way here at the Ministry of New Beginnings. Thank you so much. And um, we love you. Jesus loves you. And uh, have a blessed day. Amen.